Hello and welcome to another episode of Adventures in .NET. I'm Sean Kleber, your host, and with me today, your co-host from Louisiana, Caleb Wells. Hey. Hey, how are you? Hey, y'all. Exactly. Hey, y'all. <laughs> Good. We're on um, a, a warm, warm jet stream coming yeah. off the coast, so we've had a lot of rain and things that like that lately, but uh, at least yeah. it's not snow. No, hey, that's, yeah, snow's no good. Yeah, we're we're coming off of, uh, our, we're coming down from Mardi Gras, I guess, but we've had a week of nice weather, 50s in the morning and mid-70s in the afternoon, so can't complain there, but yeah. So uh, it's just us today. I thought maybe we could yep. spend a little bit of time talking about project management. You know, I kind of had Sounds like fun. that over the, over the number of years, <laughs> ways to put things together and some yep. things good something's frustrating to me as far as you know just personally mm -hmm. how i like to do things i like to always right. do things as, as simple as streamlined as, as possible and mm -hmm. sometimes a uh, project management structure can help you with that sometimes it can uh, be a little frustrating hey folks this is charles maxwood from top end devs and lately i've been working on actually building out top end devs if you're interested you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast. And you can actually hear a little bit more about my story about why I'm doing what I'm doing with top end devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to top end devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv. And I renamed it to top end devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So what's your, yeah. what's your experience? Well, I, honestly, I think I've, with different jobs of years, I've been all over the spectrum, right? For me, I do like some structure. I do, if Scrum is done well, I think it works. But right, there's so many cogs that have to fit just right <laughs> to get things to work without holding you or the process up, right? So what about you? Yeah, I mean, over the years, I think I've done, you know, everybody kind of started out that's been doing coding for a while. They started out with uh, kind of the waterfall where you yep. do a, a big block of things and then you have a release. You know, there's a big block of things and then you have a release and so on and so forth. So that's always been really fairly straightforward but it isn't always the most productive as far as, you know, getting mm -hmm. things out the door so that uh, the customers are getting that better experience for each release, you know, in a more timely fashion. And so I, I've been working a lot in the past with small teams, you know, maybe two, three, four type developers. And so we're all able to kind of switch instead of waterfall to work on our own little block of things that we need to, to add to the code or create and then release that. And that always worked well for, for me. It's kind of an agile, mm -hmm. but it's without a lot of formalities. It's more of, okay, we need to get this small little feature done or this bug fix or whatever. We don't worry right. about the big description of it in a, in a feature or a user story or tasks and things like that. It's just basically just, you know, it's just task-based type stuff or, or maybe just feature-based stuff, but uh, without the formalities of, 
you know, putting it in a, in a project management type system other than, hmm. you know, I, for years I used, just used Trello and that worked well okay. for me. Just have a little card that says, here's the little problem, here's the issue, whatever. And Trello was good enough or I moved things from left to right as it worked along the, the workflow progress hmm. and then got out, out the door and release. And lately I've been doing a lot of things with, uh, you know, Azure DevOps and Azure hmm. DevOps is a, a great product. And I think it's, it helps with, larger size teams. I can definitely see yeah. the benefit when you're on a larger size team and people have to know where everything's at and what people are working on and have some some transparency and visibility of what what's going on as, in the project as a whole. But I think it can get still a little bit overwhelming and a little bit extra stuff that goes in there that really isn't that necessary, mm-hmm. in my opinion. What's your thoughts? Yeah, right. Depending on how big the project is or how big your part of it is or what you need details the whole epic and then i think you and i've talked about this right the the whole like jira workflow so to speak right azure devops has a, a similar flow epics features tasks user stories i think those have their place depending on the size of the project but when you've got a smaller team i do agree with you that that might be overkill. You actually reminded me of, I've been on teams where you've had the gamut, right? You have developers, you have leads, you have QA, you have business analysts, and you have a project manager, right? And I've worked in a couple of those where they worked out well, for me at least, because all I had to do was write code, right? The user stories were done for me, the requirements were gathered. Uh, Most of the time I had the majority of what I needed and I could just go do my job, right? (laughs) which is kind of the ideal. But then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, I've been in teams where it was just two or three developers. Like you said, there's no QA, no business analyst, no nothing. And that's where I do find that more structured approach or or all the tasks and the backlog and the user stories more cumbersome because you as a developer end up doing it, right? So... Yeah, um, for me, what works is basically just give me give me the feature or the task and a wireframe. Mm-hmm. If you if you have it, is great because I work very well visually seeing what you know. This is what you're looking for. This is what you're expecting, and then mm-hmm. the ex- the acceptance criteria for that. You know, if I get into mm-hmm. user stories, I'm sorry, but I skip most of the things that they actually describe <laughs> up there. The you know the the whatever role as a yeah whatever role I need to do. I want to because, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like that doesn't help me as a developer. (laughs) You know, I don't care who. It's just the thing I need to build needs to do this. Whoever's using it, I don't care. (laughs) It's just like, but, you know, it's in there and and it seems to be that's what the, you know, the the formal description of of Agile, Mm -hmm. you know, calls for. And so people do it. And I always question those things. You know, you mentioned kind of using Trello, right? And just moving things over as they come along. And I've worked at companies where you kind of did the the Kanban board approach. And I think that's fine if you don't have any tight deadlines or there aren't expectations that you're going to get this item done this week and this item done next week, right? If you do, if your business, if management has those expectations, I do find that true sprints work better, right? Because you can say, okay, I can pull in these two tickets 
and almost guarantee that I'll complete them in this sprint. But then you're not expected to to grab another ticket if you have one day left in the sprint. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I uh, I work off tickets, you know, in the sprints and things like that. And mm-hmm. sprints are okay for me because you know it's like during this time period is this is what we expect to get done, and and this is who's going to be working on on what, and that that's mm-hmm. great. I think it's great. Estimates seem to always be off, mm. no matter what. Oh yeah. Oh, they're going to be. So, so yeah, is why put a number to it when that number is just really isn't a single number. It's, it's Mm -hmm. a range. It It is. Could be a three. Oh, yeah. Could be an eight, depending on, you know, whatever I'm, I run up against while I'm implementing it. So, if Mm -hmm. I run up into something that, that doesn't work the way I think it should be working, and I've got to go Mm -hmm. out and research and figure out why it's going, then the number gets bigger. And so it's like, Okay, do I always overestimate, mm-hmm. underpromise, overdeliver type of thing, or do I try to give an honest number so that they can plan based around that? But then comes to okay, you're supposed to be done that with that. Why are you still right. working on it? Well, because of this. <laughs> okay, they totally you understand. Know, the, don't problems with that, but but uh, it's well, kind of hard. I'm some some management does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's interesting because I have gone to work for companies that had that kind of did waterfall, but they but they really didn't have tickets. It was just like this person in management or the owner or whatever had this idea of what they wanted, and they're like, "Okay, I want you, I want this." And I've come in with other senior developers and implemented, you know, more of of a process, right? And it's interesting because sometimes that process rubs management the wrong way because once you commit to a sprint, you can't just decide you want me to do something else tomorrow, right? You can't decide something else is a higher priority. I mean, you can, but but you're violating the process and, and all that stuff and it has to be a fire, right? And I've also worked at places where initially they actually gave, had us give estimates in hours instead of story points, which is even less accurate than story points. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, I've I've been all over the place, but I have heard management, for lack of a better word, complain about the sprint process or or how it limits them or limits us moving forward or limits enhancements. I think that's really a lot of that's perspective. For me, it's it puts us in the position to do our best to guarantee that what we write is quality code and is not going to break something else. And if you're just flying by the seat of your pants and throwing stuff at the wall and changing priorities, you're going to end up getting poor code one way or the other, right? It doesn't really matter how good of a your developers are. And when it comes to story points, for instance, right now, my current company, the complexity of our systems is on the very high level of complexity, not, not intentionally, but just the way that it's grown organically. And so we look at something that in another shop might be a three and it's an eight here. There's nothing you can do about it. And so we tend to lean more towards the higher estimates because we know we're going to have added complexity or run into issues. Right. So, yeah. Another benefit that I've had, you know, with being in a system that's a little less formal is bugs really irritate me, especially bugs mm-hmm. that affect the user experience. Cause that's the number one priority for me on anything that I build is the user experience. 
And if they're right. getting things that it's not working how they expect it or how it should, that's always my top priority. So I could be working on something and a bug gets reported that's affecting them. And I want to jump off whatever I'm working on right now and fix that and, and get it out the door. And, mm. and to me, you know, if you're working on sprints and you've got things assigned to, it's like, is it okay if I grab this bug and, but it's going to affect my points for the current story that I'm going on and things like that. Right. So sometimes uh, that's okay. But uh, sometimes it's like you're assigned. This is the way you got to work on. If the bug is high enough priority, then we'll assign it to somebody else. that's not working on something, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, and that also irritates me when I'm reporting bugs to companies, just things that I work for. It's like, hey, I found this bug. Mm-hmm. Fix it. <laughs> <laughs> and they say, ah, well, well, add it to your list. It's like, no, it, ex- it affects my experience. And not only my experience, but all the other users' mm-hmm. experience. So why don't you just fix it? <laughs> hey, folks, I'm here with JD from Raygun. JD, I mean, it seems like a lot of things these days are kind of pushing us more toward productivity, right? We install VS Code extensions. We do CICD. We kind of get this stuff off our plate, automate as much as we can, and move quickly. And one of the tools that I tell people to get is something like Raygun. Uh, Do you want to just explain real quick how Raygun can help with the productivity? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's several fold. I like to think of Raygun as... um, almost being like a full-time engineer on your team that's keeping an eye on things and is able to report the important faults or performance bottlenecks so that you aren't guessing. Um, And so that's one element. But then to that point where we store all of the data we possibly can uh, on the context of the error or performance issue so that you know, we integrate with source control systems. You can jump into our APM and get method-level timing details with the source code right beside it. So if you're looking at it going, why is this page so slow? You know, um, you can usually just eyeball the code right there and then. So speeding everything up, which I think is really important with, you know, our industry is under so much pressure right now. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we've got to try and get people being more efficient because we, we're not going to have a whole lot more people suddenly. Right. Absolutely. And I, I just I love that idea. I've done plenty of optimizations myself. Right. And having an APM tool that will actually say, yeah, uh, this is the slow code. Right. So instead of me trying to guess or look at it and go, oh, do I have an N plus one query here? Yeah, it just tells me where the problem is. And that's really powerful in something like Raygun or... Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Iron Man. And, and you know, the, the, the idea is that I would love a virtual Jarvis that's just going, hey, there's this <laughs> thing. Do you want me to go fix this? Do you want me to solve yeah. that? It's like, that, that's where we need to get to. Yep, absolutely. Well, if you want uh, the next best thing, go to raygun.com. Uh, it's not Jarvis, but it it will tell you where the problem is so you can go fix it. You can get a free trial right now if you want. It's raygun.com. I agree with you there. The flexibility to be able to pull in bugs or issues that are impacting your customer base, I, I think that's valuable. And and I've been in positions where I've been able to do that. But I was also, it was an odd setup because the product owner, he wasn't really worried about timelines or even necessarily return on investment. So, right, he would say, this is what I want and this is how I want it. We're like, okay, well, it's going to take twice as long to do it this way than if we did uh, did it a, a certain way, you know, the uh, a more, I guess, normal way. It's like, I don't care. I'm like, okay. And so, you know, you spend three weeks working on an item and if bugs pop up in between there, you go and grab the bugs and you can fix them and come back to that feature. Right. So I, I do find the value in that. One of the other ways of approaching it, which is kind of like you said, 
And I understand that it can frustrate you, especially if it's something that you worked on and a bug got out. But uh, we currently have a production support team in our company because we do have so many issues that pop up and things in existing code or trying to migrate code or trying to update and things don't mesh well. So we actually have a team that that's all they do is bugs. And so if if a bug comes up, they're going to handle it, which in turn means that that we don't we focus on the task we've been given and we don't have to use that mental space thinking, oh, this got out there and I want to go fix it. Right. So you prefer, okay, you're okay with agile as long as it's more loosely defined and and you got more flexibility. Yeah. That's kind of your go-to. With that. Yep. Yeah. I think of all the places I've worked, and of course, this was more when I was a like a mid-level developer. So I don't even know that I'd get that now if I were working there in my current role. But I loved having a full team and all I had to worry about was the code in front of me. <laughs> that worked out really well. But again, in my current position, that wouldn't happen anyway because I get pulled into meetings for this or I'm helping determine how we're going to handle this or architecture decisions. And then you end up at, well, this is a, a good thing too. And I'm curious how, how you approach this when it comes to sprints and managing your time. The longer you're on a project or the longer you're at a company, you're going to become um, a subject matter expert on something or some area, right? Mm-hmm. And so then if if someone is trying to write code in there or a bug comes up, you're the first pre- person people think about. They're like, hey, Caleb, uh, can you join us in this meeting to discuss so-and-so and yada, yada? And you end up in an hour and a half meeting, right? And, and then they still can't figure it out. So later in the week, you end up actually doing pair programming with them, right? And it's good that they have that resource and it's good that there is a subject matter expert, but that definitely impacts your sprint and the time that you have to complete your work. What do you think? Yeah, it happens to me all the time because, you know, yes, I've been <laughs> you know, a developer for so long, you know, right. how much I know and have experienced, you really can benefit a lot of the other developers that I work with. So I find myself being, they're stuck. It's like, reach out to Sean and uh, he'll, he'll figure out the, the issue and we'll, get past this so a lot yep. there's a lot of context switching so there's some costs there mm-hmm. for me to switch oh, yeah. what i'm doing and figure out okay clear my mind load it up with what they're doing and figure it out and then come back to what i'm working on and pick it up so but i think you know as far as the overall picture i think that's probably worth it because we need to keep mm-hmm. everybody moving not just right some parts of the train are faster than other parts of the train so right. <laughs> yep no i'm I get it. And I think in some cases that also helps determine the story points you put on things because, eh, well, in, in right story points are subjective and, and they're going to be different for different people. But for a junior, something might be an eight for different reasons that I might give it an eight, right? Again, context, like you just said. So yeah, you know, this is, this is one of those things. I don't, no company does it right. And there's no perfect way of doing this. And there's there's finding a space that works for for you and your company, and it's a moving target, right? <laughs> How do you divide up what juniors work on versus what seniors work on? You know, is it uh, easier yeah. stuff? The less important stuff gets to the juniors, and then do you always have a senior look something over that a junior wrote and oh yeah, and approve it, um, work together with them? Because there's times where yeah. somebody that's 
really new developer works on something and they spend a lot mm-hmm. of time on it. And then I look at it and I go, I, I go, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, that's not quite the way you should do it. And, you know, they have to learn, which is, which is oh, yeah. great. You know, I always, I learned at the beginning too. I asked lots of questions, but some mm-hmm. juniors feel a little intimidated or shy about asking questions when they get stuck. And so mm-hmm. they just kind of work through it and get it to work mm-hmm. and pass it right. on. And it's like, without saying, okay, is this the way I should do it? Right. And asking for help. Yeah. So, and, I, and I've told everyone in our team, right, there is no such thing as a, as a dumb or stupid question. Because if you don't know, then then it's, you know, you you need to get the information somehow. And so I've, uh, I've told them, hey, if you have questions or need help, hit me up, right? As far as determining who does what, I really feel like... If, in my experience, juniors end up getting more of the front end work, right? And not necessarily because it's simpler, but because if you really, if you screw up some back end logic, you could be affecting a vast array of things. If you're working on one or two pages, right, inside of an application, and, you know, maybe you're doing some forms or specifics, you, the impact is lessened. And they can still learn things like MVC and controllers and that kind of stuff and, and get more comfortable with .NET and the C-sharp language. So that that's where we've tended to have juniors live in my, my experience. We do pull requests regardless of who you are. It does not matter. If it's, if it's going into the develop branch, it gets a pull request. And then, of course, it has to be fully tested. And once it's out in master, then even going from develop to master is a pull request. That one's kind of a rubber stamp. Yeah, it's not master, but it's still a peer. Well, <laughs> some of ours are still master. <laughs> so, it regardless the the primary branch, right? I actually and and that's 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 a weird thing with work because half of ours are master and half of ours are main. No, you're right. Yeah, the it's main more these days. But here's the thing: I can tell if a junior is learning and growing if they can if they ask questions and they can take constructive feedback right if you send me a pull request and there are issues and since front end is my my domain right i might get in the weeds and i'm not going to tell you that how you coded something is wrong necessarily on the way you your your style of coding unless we have a defined style cop right or format but i am going to question well why did you do it this way? Or does this cover all of the use cases? Or this might be more efficient, right? And so sometimes I can go to a pull request and everything's good. And I maybe have to do one comment and it's not even something they need to fix. Other ones, I get in there and I've, I've got 20 comments, but I've seen juniors I've worked with grow that way, right? And you can see their code changes and matures right? As they do. And then there's some developers who just don't ever get it. And you can bring the same thing up in every PR <laughs> and it never changes. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess a lot of my experience uh, with juniors has been at least with, with juniors that have had a couple of years of experience. You know, I've never mm. had to deal with anybody that's just right out of boot camp or right out of college or anything like that. Mm. As far as in the professional environment, you know, I used to, I used to teach college students how to program and things like that. And so you could always kind of mm-hmm. pick out the ones that that really got it and the ones that, that didn't. But as far as creating production code and things like that, I've 
I've always dealt with somebody that's had at least a couple of years experience. So mm. that's kind of, I think, yeah. made things a little bit better for me. I wouldn't have any problem, you know, if somebody came out a boot camp or, or college that's that's really good and they, they, they showed that what they learned while they were in school or even their side projects that they did while they were in school really show an, an aptitude for, mm -hmm. for being a, a good developer as far as their understanding of patterns and practices and right. things like that. So, yeah, it's, we work in a very interesting industry <laughs> that is still figuring things out as we go. Right. Actually, I think I was reading something on Quora and somebody was saying we really shouldn't be called software engineers, but that, but that was the closest engineers were the closest thing to what we do that, that, that the name made some sense. Right. But, we're we're really not even that close to engineers in general, right? Engineers, I think uh, a lot of them are much more structured in their work. Whereas with software, sometimes it's the wild, wild west, right? <laughs> Whether you want to be or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if, if we make a mistake in our building or, or structuring something, just yeah. some data, they make a right. mistake. You know, if you're talking about, you know, actual physical engineers, oh, yeah. like that, that can be dangerous. So yeah, they yep. definitely deserve some kudos there for what the risks that they take on and that they have to to think about and go through you know yep. we have a bug it's like okay, if we can fix it they have a bug yep. that's going to be really expensive oh yeah yeah or maybe we're making bugs for them <laughs> for all this oh stuff. i don't doubt it they, the tools they use <laughs> i don't doubt it the amount of bugs and poorly written or poorly performing or code that that has security issues. There's more of it out there than there's not. Let's put it that way. Which I guess says something about our industry or the 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 youth, right? We still got a lot of uh, growing to do. So yeah, there's a lot of times where uh, I don't know about you, but I'm using some software and it's working mm -hmm. really well. It's like knowing the process that they had to go through to to get that built. Mm. It's like you know, it's almost you knowing what's behind the curtain. You're almost right scared it's like okay and there were probably a lot of people worked on this there's got to be some some issues in there somewhere and knowing what the what the process is, well, is but, like and developing code and it's like when, when i see that you trust software and how yeah. much you do, do you not huh? right but when i see that i'm like man i'd like to work for this company <laughs> <laughs> of course of course like you said you, we're seeing the finished product and we're like oh man this is great it does exactly what i need and it works and but, you know, maybe if you were an inside looking out, you would not have the same opinion. So, yeah, perspective. Perspective. <laughs> hmm. yeah. Okay. On that note, let's uh, wrap this up and uh, yeah, have a, have a good weekend. And hope our listeners have a good weekend. And uh, let's do some picks. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, Go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. 
So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Cool. Sounds good with me. All right. All right. Do you have a pick? I do. My pick is, uh, and it's funny because I think I picked Lost Ark um, maybe a month ago or a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm well, already on to another supposedly game. Supposedly he's doing really well on, on Steam. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, it's Game Busters. It says it's good, but I haven't had, I haven't yeah. had a chance yet. Yeah. No, it's, it's fun, but you know, there, there's always, uh, a new, uh, treasure or a new jewel to, to go after. Guild Wars 2 released their third expansion. It's been like five years and I've been playing Guild Wars off and on for years. So I've hopped in and I'm trying that and I'm really enjoying one of their new classes. So if you, have played Guild Wars too, and you like it, then maybe check out End of Dragons. It's their new expansion, and every expansion, each class gets a new specialization, which is uh, basically a different way of playing the class. And they came up with some cool ones this time around, so that's what I've been playing the last week or so was uh, Guild Wars 2 and the Dragons. Oh, okay. Nice. I don't know if you know that I used to do a lot of video production. Yeah. For the local towns around here, I used to do TV commercials, things like that, and things like So I've always been into, you know, good audio, good video, mm. good lighting, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I did video production. I didn't, uh, and then I did photography for a number of years and retouching and things like that. So one thing that I picked up lately is a new uh, video light for, for using in the office here. Mm. And yeah. I guess it's just, it's just me, but even for like my Zoom calls or my team meetings or even in recording the podcast here, I'm always looking to have the, a good microphone, a good webcam, good lighting. I actually run a, a green screen behind me, even though hardly anybody else, you know, it really doesn't matter. I could just use one of the little, and you know, uh, fake backgrounds or whatever, but I'm running a green screen and I just picked up a new video light that I use in front of me while I'm re- recording and in meetings. And like, so I'm looking well. And I was looking at one by Elgato, mm-hmm. and it was a nice one, but it was a little more expensive than I wanted to, to spend. So I searched around Amazon, and I found one by a company called Deep Neewer. They they're, mm-hmm. they make a lot of things yeah. nowadays, and I, I found a lot of good products by them. And so I found this lighting kit. It's about 100 bucks, um, mm-hmm. but it's... The nice thing about it is it's kind of got a, a large light. And so you want large lights to get more of a soft feel for whoever the light is hitting. It's not so direct. And, and so it's got a large screen. Yeah. It's adjustable to really, really bright. I almost run it at it at its lotus, lowest setting while I'm here in my office. But it's got a remote control so I can control the brightness from the remote cool. while I'm sitting here, but I can also control the color temperature. So oh, yeah. I like to look a little bit warm when I'm on video. So I lower mm-hmm. the cut the color temperature to about 38 to 4,000 Kelvin um, mm-hmm. rather than daylight, which is more like in the 5,000, 6,000 Kelvin. And uh, it makes me look better, I think. So, cool. so I don't look great. But yeah. <laughs> for me, <laughs> I, uh, it's just because it's me. So I, I actually up, bought my uh, wife uh, one. Yeah, it's uh, hers isn't anything near yours, but I got her a cheapy one that she uh, clamps to her laptop, you know, because, yeah. you know, with people working from home and COVID and everything, you still want to look good. I mean, like right now, I don't have my lights on and I, I look junky, but it's just you and me, right? You know, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is for hundred bucks. It comes with a case, the light, the desk mount that yeah. uh, clamps your desk and then telescopes up. 
and then you can you can angle it down to whatever wrangle you want and power supply. So nice. Yeah, it was it was good for me. It works well. Like say, cool. it can go super bright. It's like uh, okay. yeah, good deal. Forty five watt light. So yeah, it can pretty bright, and that's forty watt, forty five watt LED. So oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. All right. So if our listeners want to reach out and get in touch with me, they can listen to mm-hmm. or they can follow me on Twitter and give me feedback on the show. Let us know what kind of topics you want to hear. I am at .NET Superhero. Dun, 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 dun. And they can also listen to us right here, right? <laughs> Weekly. It's much better to listen and, uh, to us than, than <laughs> if they could actually see us. Yep. <laughs> and I'm Caleb Wells Coates. Although no one reaches out, I'm just... Reach out I, I felt unwanted and loved. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right, guys. We'll catch everybody else on the next episode of Adventures in.net. Bye, y'all. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.